just start with a little question here today, and I'm going to need a show of hands all over the room today. How many of you have ever had an invitation that you just couldn't refuse? Raise your hand. Come on. Anybody ever been like, hey, come and do something, and the something is so good that you're just like, I got to clear my whole schedule, and I just have to be there. Anybody? Raise your hand. Let me just see you. I can remember about, it was about four years ago, I was sitting here in my office here at the church, and I got a phone call from a buddy of mine who was my roommate in college, and he goes, hey, man, how's it going? I'm like, man, it's going great. And he goes, how's your golf game going? And then my ears perked up, right? Any golfers in the house? And I said, my golf game is going about the same as it usually goes. I just only like to play on days that end in Y, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's an old golf joke for the, some of you guys. I said, my golf game's going pretty good. He said, how would you like to play in a golf tournament? I said, well, that sounds pretty good. I said, where is it at? And when's it going to be? He says, it's going to be at, are you ready for this, Pebble Beach. How many have ever heard of Pebble Beach before, right? And when he said that, I'm like, oh, my goodness. It was like angels just filled my office like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Pebble Beach, because that is like the mecca of golf. It is like the holy grail for all golfers, bucket list golf course in the world. And I immediately said, well, Pebble Beach, you know me. I'm just a meager pastor. There's no way that I could ever afford to play golf at Pebble Beach. And he said, hey, don't worry about it. It's free. It is all taken care of. I was like, free? Are you kidding me? Free? Nothing is ever free, right? And so I said, all right, what's the catch? And he said, well, they're just going to make a small presentation. How many know what that's all about? And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. I know what that's all about. I know they're going to ask for money and I don't have any money to give and all that kind of stuff. He said, don't worry about it. We have taken care of all of it. You don't have to pay anything. All you have to do is get there. I said, I'm down. Come on. I'm in. Count me in. He said, well, do you need to check your schedule or anything like that. I said, I don't need to check my schedule because whatever was on my schedule is not going to be on my schedule anymore because I will do anything and everything it takes to get to that golf tournament at Pebble Beach. How many know what I'm talking about? That's the kind of invitation that you just can't refuse. Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you have ever had an invitation that when they invite you, instead of being an invitation that you can't refuse, it's more of an invitation that you're looking for an excuse, right? You're going, hey, let me check my calendar. And as you're checking your calendar, you're going, please, please, please let there be something on that day. God, please, please, please let there be something on that day. Anybody ever had one of those kind of invitations before? Well, all of this kind of reminds me of the story that we're going to look at today as we're in this series called Moral of the Story. Everybody say Moral of the Story. Moral of the story. And in this series, what we're doing is we are looking at some of these stories that Jesus told. In fact, they had a name. They were called parables. And we learned last week that a parable is really just a story with a purpose. That, that through the parables that Jesus would tell these stories that had a kingdom principle or a very spiritual principle that we would apply to our lives. And he told a whole bunch of these parables. Some of them are very famous and you've probably heard many of them before. And some of them are not quite as Familiar, And we looked at a really famous one last week, the parable of the talents. The one we're going to look at today may not be quite as familiar, and yet I believe it's just as powerful. It is known as the parable of the great banquet, or some people call it the parable of the great feast. And it's found in the book of Luke, chapter number 14. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and open there today. It's also in your LifeGate app or your YouVersion app or your notes. And let's just look at this story 
together. We'll begin reading in verse number 15 of Luke chapter 14. Let's read it together. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guest, Come, the banquet is now ready. But they all began to what? To make excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another one said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I, I, am, I now have a wife so I can't come. The servant reply, or returned and told the master what they had said. And his master was furious. Everybody say furious. His master was furious and said, quickly, go into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still more room. So the master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that my house may be full. Verse 24, for none of those I first invited will get even the small taste at my banquet. You know, as I read that story and I hear the parable that Jesus tells, two things immediately kind of come to my mind. If you're taking notes, you might want to write these things down. The first one is this, is that God is always inviting us into his plan. Isn't that good news today? Like just, in, just like in the story that the master prepared an incredible feast, a banquet, a spread for the people. That the master had a plan for the people and he invited them in. In the same way, God is the master who is preparing incredible things for every single one of our lives. He has an amazing plan for you. In fact, why don't you just put your hand on your heart and say, God has a plan for me. God has an incredible plan for you. In fact, my favorite verse in all the Bible, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And the good news is today is that God is inviting you into his plan. Come on, you ought to say amen because that's pretty good stuff. I know some of you are saying, well, I don't ever get invited to anything, you know. I mean, I hear your story about Pebble Beach and I'm like, well, whoop-de-doo, good for you, pastor, because nothing ever happens good for me and I never win anything and I can't even win a happy meal on the Monopoly game at McDonald's. I mean, come on, right? Well, here's the good news. You ready for some good news? The good news is today you have been invited into the most incredible plan. You have already won. In fact, everybody look at your neighbor. Just tell them you win. Look at the other neighbor. Say you win. You have already won because you have been invited to the incredible feast, to the incredible plan that God has prepared for your life. God is always inviting us to be a part of his amazing plan. That's the first thing. But the second thing, write this down, is that the enemy is always willing to give us an excuse for why we can't be a part of God's plan. The truth of the matter is that even though God is inviting us to be a part of his plan, as soon as we begin to move towards the plan that God has for our lives, guess what's going to happen? A million excuses are going to get in the way. And if you can't think of an excuse, I promise you the enemy will give you one, right? In fact, this is what we see in this story. Look what it it says right here in verse number 18. It says, they all began making excuses. 
In fact, if you're taking notes, just write, write these couple of things down. I want you to see a couple of things about excuses. The first one is this, is that excuses are in the great majority. Isn't that true that, I mean, excuses are everywhere, and everyone's got one, and we can easily come up with an excuse for just about anything. In fact, I was just, uh, I thought this was kind of funny. I was researching this a little bit on the, on the internet, and I came across this deal that said these are actual excuses that people gave to their auto insurance companies for car accidents, all right? These are pretty humorous. One guy says, I started to slow down, but the traffic was more stationary than I thought. One guy says, I didn't think the speed limit applied after midnight. One guy says, the car in front of me hit the pedestrian, but he got up, so I hit him again. One guy says, I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. One guy says, in an attempt to kill a fly, I drove into a telephone pole. One guy says, an invisible car came out of nowhere, struck my car, and vanished. That was funnier than y'all laughed. Y'all should have helped me on that one. And then this last one, I love it. It says, the indirect cause for the accident was a little guy in a small car with a big mouth. And the truth of the matter is, we can come up with an excuse pretty quick, right? And that's exactly what happened in this story. It says, they all, everybody say all. They all alike began to make excuses. The fact of the matter is, all of us have excuses. We talked about it last week that excuses are like armpits. Everybody's got them and they all stink, right? And, and this is the truth is that it's really not a new concept. In fact, as we look back through the scripture, everybody had some kind of an excuse for why they couldn't do what God was calling them to do. We see that Abraham said, I'm too old. And Moses said, I don't speak well. And Gideon said, I'm not from a good family. And over and over and over, we see it in this story that they make their excuses. I just had got some new oxen and so I got to try them out. How do you try out oxen? I don't know. Like I just got married, so I can't go. What is it about being married that keeps you from being able to go to a, to a banquet. I mean, these excuses were lame excuses. And the truth of the matter is all of us have excuses and all of them are pretty lame. Excuses are in the great majority. But then notice this, number two, write this down. This is so powerful. Excuses reveal our true priorities. Here's the deal. Is that is your excuses will reveal what is really important to you and what's really not important to you. In fact, the truth is, is that if something is important to you, you will make a way. And if something is not important to you, you will make an excuse. Isn't that true? And we see this in this story with, with, uh, with these men that, that were invited to the banquet. It's obvious that the banquet was not a high priority to these people, that the master's plan was not important to them. Otherwise, they would have made a way to be at the banquet that the master was inviting them to. And I see this same kind of thing so many times in my life and in the life of other Christians that many times the call of God is really not that big of an important priority in our lives because if it was then we wouldn't have so many excuses and I know we say well pastor you know I know the priority is God's number one in my life and I put him number one praise the Lord hallelujah right come on and then the way that we live says something 
completely different. You see, our true priorities are revealed in the excuses that we make. And I see it all the time. Pastor, you know, Pastor, I can't, I can't come to church every Sunday because, you know, my kid plays soccer. And, you know, she's two years old and she's on the traveling, you know, club, whatever team. And we got to go over to Italy to play soccer so that she can get, so that she can get a scholarship in 16 years from now. How many know it's that ridiculous sometimes, right? Pastor, I just can't come because of soccer. And here's the deal. It's really not about soccer. You know what it's about? It's about priorities. It's about is God's house a priority in our life or is it not a priority in our lives? Well, Pastor, I hear you give that tithe challenge thing, and that's good for everybody else, but I don't know about for me because if I'd give my tithe, then we might not have enough money for this or that or the other. Or I may not have enough. And it's really not a money issue. You know what it is? It's a priority issue. In fact, that's why the scripture teaches us that the tithe is not just any 10%. It's the first 10%. It's saying, God, I'm putting you first in my life. When I want to do something and when something's important, I'll make a way to make it happen. And when it's not really important, then I'll make an excuse for why it can't happen. Well, pastor, I mean, why would anybody want to go to an 1150 service? Are you kidding me? That's so late in the day, and that's during lunchtime, and I know we're going to this three-service thing to try to reach more people and all of that kind of stuff, but I'm just going to stick to the service I got because that's wrong time for me and whatever. And here's the deal. It's not a time issue. You know what it is? It's a priority issue. Do I have God's house as a priority? Do I have other people as a priority? Oh, I can't volunteer because I just don't have time for that. I don't have time to help out with the life kids class or to be an usher or greeter or work with the media team or whatever. And here's the deal. It's not a time thing. It's a priority thing. Because we find time to do the things that we really want to do. And when something is important, we make a way. And when something's not important, we make an excuse. And as we look in the story, here's what we see. That when the master hears the excuse, what does it say that the master did? It says the master was what? I made you say it out loud earlier. The master was angry, right? And here's what I want you to understand. God hates excuses. See, the master in the story represented God. And when God hears our excuses, let me just tell you something. God doesn't doesn't enjoy our excuses. And here's what happens in the story, that the master is angry. And then, then what does he do? He looks for someone else to invite. And that's perhaps the scariest thought in the whole story, that if we put God off long enough, If we make enough excuses for why we can't be involved in his plan for our life, guess what? After a while, he will call someone else. That's a scary thought. In fact, that scary thought really just kind of leads me to the moral of the story for the day. You ready for the moral of the story? Ready for this? Write this down. The moral of the story is this. When we opt out, we miss out. Everybody say that with me today. When we opt out... We miss out. You know, I was thinking about how to say that. The first thing I came up with was the biggest excusers are the biggest losers. And then I thought, well, that doesn't sound really nice, so let's clean that up a little bit, make it sound a little nicer. But really, that's what the whole moral of the story is, isn't it? Because who is it that loses out in the story? 
Who is it that misses out on the banquet? Who is it that misses out on the time with the master? Who is it that misses out on the things that the master has planned? Who is it that misses out on the blessings? It's the people who made the excuses. And I started thinking, isn't that the way it is for so many of us? Isn't it that the way it is for so many Christians that we opt out? We make our excuses for why we can't be involved in the master's plan. We think that other things are more important. And in the end, what happens is we're the ones that really end up being the ones that miss out. I started thinking, how many blessings have we missed out on as Christians because we made excuses for why we couldn't do what the master was calling us to do? And then I started thinking, what would happen if we would be a people who would say, I'm not going to opt out. I'm not going to make excuses, but instead I'm going to make a way. I'm going to be a person who will say, I'll do everything that it takes to have all that the master has planned for me. I started thinking, man, what if there were some people like this woman in the book of Luke chapter 8? Some of you might remember her story. She was called what, we, what many people call the woman with the issue of blood. You might remember her story that she had been sick for 12 long years and she had tried everything that she knew to try to somehow find healing. She had tried every doctor and every medicine and everything that she could try to do to somehow find healing from this disease and nothing would bring healing until one day she heard about Jesus and she heard that he was a healer and she knew that if I could just get to Jesus somehow I know that I will be healed. And I'm telling you, it would have been so easy for this woman to make excuses. Well, I'm sick and I've tried everything else and nothing is working and it's too far away and I don't feel good. But she didn't make those excuses. She made her way to where Jesus was. And then when she got to where Jesus was, there was a huge crowd gathered around him. And it would have been so easy to say, I can't get to him and I'm sick and there's no way and there's too many people around. And she could have made excuses, but instead of making excuses, she made a path. And some of you are here today and you're dealing with some issues and maybe some issues that you've been dealing with for years and years and years and years. And maybe you've tried everything else that you know to try to somehow deal with these issues that you have in your life. And maybe you've made excuses. Well, that's just the way I am or I'm never going to be able to change. Or that's the way my mom was or my dad was. And you've made excuses and maybe it's time to stop making excuses and maybe it's time to start making a path to Jesus. What would happen if we would be like David? You might remember the story, very famous story, David and Goliath. David, just a shepherd boy, just a little teenage boy, just not very tall, not very, not very much to look at, not very strong. And here he finds himself facing this giant. The Bible says that he was over nine feet tall, that no one was able to defeat him. And I'm telling you, it would have been so easy for David to just make excuses. Well, I'm just a shepherd boy, and I'm not a trained warrior, and I'm not very big, and I'm not very old, and I'm not very tall, and I'm not very strong, and I don't even have good weapons in there. There's no way I'm going to ever be able to defeat this Goliath. But I'm telling you that David didn't make excuses. Instead, David began to make arrangements. And he went down, the Bible says, to the creek bed. And he picked up five smooth stones and he put them in his slingshot. And he slung that slingshot around until he brought the giant down. And I'm telling you, some of you are here today. And maybe you're facing some giants in your life. And the giants are looking at you and saying, you'll never win. And you'll never defeat me. And maybe you've even begun to make excuses. That's right, man. I've had this addiction for years. And I've just never been able to break it. Or, or this person hurt me. And I just can't seem to forgive them. And I just can't seem 
seem to get over it and we make all of these excuses, but maybe it's time to stop making excuses and maybe it's time to start making arrangements. Maybe it's time to say, hey, what can I do to begin making the change? Maybe I need to go see a counselor or maybe I need to get on a budget or maybe I need to get an accountability partner or do whatever it takes to get through to defeat the giants that are in my life. What would happen if we decided we would be like Joseph? Do you remember his story? God gave him a dream, but things didn't go the way that he intended for them to go. His brothers were jealous of the dream. They beat him up. They threw him into a pit. They sold him into slavery. He found his way in prison for something that he, didn't, that he didn't do. And years and years and years went by until finally the dream did come true. And, and Joseph did find himself as the second in command of all of Egypt. And then what happened in the middle of the famine? His brothers came back and were standing before him. And on that day, it would have been so easy to make every excuse for why he shouldn't forgive his brothers. Do you know what they did to me? Do you know how they treated me? Do you know how my life has been because of them? But instead of making excuses, Joseph began to make allowances for them. And I'm telling you, some of you are here today and you're holding on to hurt and you're holding on to bitterness and you're holding on to struggles deep down inside because of something that somebody did or something that somebody said. And you're thinking, I'm going to make them pay, but it's not them that's paying, it's you that's paying. You're missing out on the freedom that God wants to give you because you're opting out on giving that forgiveness that's so difficult to give and maybe today it's time to stop making excuses for why I can't let it go and maybe it's time to start making allowances for the people who have hurt you and broken your heart so that you can have the freedom that God wants you to have man I think I'll just preach today I'm telling you what would happen if we begin to be people who say I'm not going to opt out I'm not going to make excuses I'm going to be like the men in Mark chapter 2. Their friend was sick. He couldn't get to Jesus. The Bible says he was paralyzed. He couldn't get there on his own. It would have been so easy to make every excuse for their friend. Well, there's no way that we can carry him all the way to Jesus. That's a long way. You know how heavy he is? But they didn't make an excuse. What did they do? Each one grabbed an end of the mat. Four of his friends picked him up and carried him. Who knows how far to the house where Jesus was. But then when they got to the house where Jesus was, well, it would have been easy to make excuses once again because the house was so full that no one could get in. And they could have said, I'm sorry, buddy, we carried you this far, but there's no way we can get you in there to where Jesus is. You're, you can't walk, and there's a big mat, and there's a whole lot of people around, and there's no way that we're ever going to get in there. But it, they didn't make excuses. They started making a way, and they carried their friend to the top of the house. And the Bible says that they peeled the tiles off of the roof of the house and they lowered their friend down to where Jesus was. And on that day, their friend received that healing. And I'm here to tell you, some of you have some friends and you've been making excuses for why I can't invite them to church or why I can't tell them about Jesus. And what if they think I'm crazy or they call me a holy roller or what if they don't come or what if I'm rejected and you make excuse after excuse after excuse for why you can't make a difference for God. I'm telling you, it's time to stop making excuses and it's time to start making a way. I started thinking about this this week. It reminds me of this story. I shared part of it with you about, about a year and a half ago in the fall of 2014. We did a, we did a, a campaign here at the church called what on, what on Earth Am I Here For? And in that campaign, we, we bought 600 of the Purpose Driven Life books and we put them into bundles of two and we passed them out to people in the church and we said, take these for free. 
We want you to read one of them and then we want you to pray about who God would have you to give the other one to. Pray for them and then give them the book and invite them to, invite them to read the book with you and invite them to come to church. So we prayed and we put those books out and you went out and you began to give them to your friends and after a few weeks we got some reports of the things that were happening. In fact, I got this one report, this email that I shared with you shared with you several months ago, but I want to share it with you again today and then give you an update. It says, I was very hesitant. A woman in the church says, I was very hesitant to share this book with my sister, but I knew God had a plan to restore our relationship through it. A few years ago, my sister and I had a falling out, and since then, I haven't spoken, we haven't spoken to each other. Our only contact has been primarily on holidays or family gatherings, and that's it. But after I gave the book to her, we met for lunch two weeks later. We opened the book and both of us stopped on the chapter that says, What Drives Your Life? She opened up immediately and apologized for the things that she had been holding against me for so long. She explained her feelings and actions, which verified all the feelings that I had. I was then able to share my thoughts and to forgive her. We both agreed that we were going to that we were ready to repair this relationship and move forward as sisters. Even better than that, she came to our Bible study last week and is going to join another Bible study in November. I am praying for her to visit our church or a church of her choice. Our ultimate purpose is to bring her and her family back to the Lord. Although God never fails to surprise me, I can't help but step back in awe at what God is doing right now. That was about 18 months ago. Let me give you an update on that now. That family that was invited because of that book was invited to Easter service. Actually, Saturday night, Easter last year came. And on that night, the whole family surrendered their hearts to Jesus Christ in relationship with him. And I'll tell you something even better than that. That family has only missed one service since last Easter. Come on. Some of y'all, none, most of y'all can't say that. I'm just saying. And has since gotten involved in the church serving. The, the lady that, that we were just talking about, the sister, is now hosting a Bible study and leading it herself. And the family is volunteering, serving in the church. And last Sunday, we honored them as the volunteers of the month. Come on. And here's what I want to say. I bet you RJ and Tara are glad that Jesse didn't make an excuse for why she couldn't invite her sister to church. The fact of the matter is it's easy to make excuses. They're everywhere. We all have them. But here's the truth of the matter. When we opt out, we miss out. What are you missing out on today because you're opting out on that call that God is calling you to do and how he is calling you to live? The truth is, is that God is always inviting us to be a part of his plan, but it's so easy to come up with an excuse. But here's what we got to understand. When we opt out, We miss out, but when we opt in, we always win. Come on, that's the cheesiest thing I said the whole time, and yet it's powerful. Some of you are missing out because you're making excuses. Well, I can't, you know, I could never do that. I'm not, I'm not good enough, or I could, you know, I could never invite someone to church because what if they, you know, what if they reject me, or I could, you know, man, I could never... I could never break that habit because I've had it forever. And we make all of these excuses to not enter into the plan that God 
intends for us to live. And I'm telling you, God has such a greater plan for every single one of your life. And here's the reason that I teach this. And here's the reason that I shout it to the top of my lungs when I'm preaching. is because I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to miss out on the plan that God has for you. It's so easy because I know life is busy and it's so easy to make our excuses. But really when it comes down to it, excuses are really just a revelation of our true priorities. If something's important, we'll make a way. We'll make time. But if it's not, we'll just make an excuse. Right there in the story, what did it say? It says those that were invited that made the excuse did not even taste one bit of the feast that the master had prepared for them. How many of us are missing out? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. Maybe some of you are here today and maybe you're missing out because you've never even began a relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, even right now as I'm talking, you're coming up with every kind of excuse in the book for why this shouldn't be the day for you. Maybe you're thinking, well, man, you know, I've been too bad and God couldn't love me and he couldn't forgive me and there's no way that that church could accept me if they really knew how bad I was and what I had done and all the mistakes that I've made and that's your excuse. Or maybe, maybe you're thinking right now, you're thinking, well, I've, I've seen other Christians and they're hypocrites and they don't really live the way that they should live and the way they say they live and I don't want to be a hypocrite and so maybe that's your excuse. Or maybe your excuse is, you know, hey, just not today, maybe on Easter, maybe next week or maybe next year. Or right now I'm having a lot of fun. I'm kind of doing my own thing. And one day, one day I'll accept the invitation. One day I'll come to a relationship with Jesus, but just not right now. And you're making those excuses over and over and over in your mind. And can I tell you that you are missing out on the greatest thing ever. You are missing out not only on life eternal, but on life to the fullest that God intends for you to live here on this earth. And it begins right here with the invitation. The invitation is clear. God has an incredible plan for you. It doesn't mean that everything will be perfect and everything will go smooth and you won't have any problems. I'm not one of those preachers that will tell you that if you come to Jesus that you'll never have another problem. In fact, the matter is when you come to Jesus, you're still going to face problems and you're still going to face struggles and you're still going to face trials. But I'm telling you what, that if you don't come to Jesus, you're going to miss out on the blessing and on the strength and on the relationship and eventually on eternal security in Jesus Christ that only comes through Him. My job today is just to be one of the people in the story that the Master sent out to go into the highways and the byways and to compel them to come in. My job right now is to say, please, the Master has, has prepared incredible things for you. You can receive them today. If you'll set aside the excuses. If you'll say, Master, here I am. I want to accept the invitation to your perfect plan for me.